to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Roxy are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, wherein lurks every scary thing that has ever been, including an unusual child, a nondescript hitchhiker, an average werewolf, and a zombie who died of natural causes, so they don't have any wounds or cuts or anything. I am Mikey McCaller. And I'm Roxy Polk. Roxy, let's start out as we always do with the scariest thing that happened to you this week. What went down outside of the scary basement that spooked you to your bones? I love how happy you sounded when you were like, what's the scariest thing? Yeah, what the, let's get Roxy, you ever, about you ever get scared? It. You ever get scared? <laughs> you little cutie, you ever get scared? <laughs> hey, it's starting off right. I appreciate it. So the scariest thing that happened to me this week was fire, Mikey. <laughs> how, how do you feel about fire? You know, uh, neutral. I understand its uh, role in getting mankind to where it's at, you know, between the cooking and the warmth. But Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how much I like it in my day-to-day life, not a lot. What happened to you fire-wise? So it's kind of like the end of summer winding down when we're recording this. And there's a bunch of gigantic bushfires just south of me to the point where, like, the sky is constantly red just because of the fires happening down south and they're slowly creeping higher and higher, closer and closer to my city. And two yep, years ago, it happened and was so close. There was like ash in the sky falling everywhere. And I literally had a go bag prepared for if I would have to leave the city. Jesus. I'm worried that's going to happen again, maybe. Uh-huh. So that's what I'm scared about. <laughs> I mean, to flee no. my home due to fire. <laughs> that's scary. Do you have a fire extinguisher ready? Um, no, which uh, you'd think I would have learned from two years ago, right? You'd think, but, uh, you know. As I'm talking about it, I'm like, obviously that wouldn't work against the forest fire, but also, like, get one of those for your house, folks. Yeah, no, truly. (laughs) It feels like a thing to have sitting around. I mean, just like the go bag thing, I literally had it sitting there, like, after I didn't need it, I had it sitting there for a year because I was like, well, what if I had to leave because of another emergency? Mm. And then since it had been two years, I was like, well, okay. Yes, exactly. What What if terrorists came? What if they did? What if Sharknado was real? You know, I need to have to get out of the city if if I have to. I get it. What about you, Mikey? What's the scariest thing that happened to you this week? Well, th- it doesn't sound scary, but it, I think the scariest thing that happened to me was anxiety. Because... Mm, the scariest thing of all. I went to a friend's birthday dinner with a group of friends. Okay. Uh, including my... Sounds good so far. Like my girlfriend's friends, right? So I'm kind of just meeting this new group of people. Wait, for the first time? Meeting them for the first time? Uh, Yeah, a couple people for the first time. That wasn't so bad. What happened was through a a comedy of errors, uh, one of the the girl's roommates had forgotten to give the friend back her keys. So she had gone home with the keys and me and my girlfriend were like, We had not had anything to drink, really. So we were like, okay, we can, I mean, we drove them home. And so we're like, okay, we'll drive the keys back. Mm -hmm. And the person who had forgotten to give the keys back was so upset about it. They were like, no, this is my fault. Like, I know I can't really drive, but like, I should figure this out. And we were like, no, 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 it's fine. Don't worry about it. Stop stressing about it. It was like, no, it's just, it's my fault. I really should have. And so as we were driving, we ended, ended up taking the keys in, to drive them back. And as we were uh-huh. driving there, I was convinced, Roxy, I was 100% certain we were going to get into a fatal car accident and get ourselves killed because of how funny it would be for that poor girl who didn't <laughs> want to give us the keys because of how guilty she felt. 
It, so it's because she was, like, so drunk that she, like, couldn't just th- see the logic in just giving it to you guys to do it or something? No, it, it was, convinced, uh, like, or? she wasn't that drunk, but, like, she was not driving that night, so she had been drinking more. Okay. And she just, like, you Wanted know, to take responsibility. Logic, logic doesn't permeate when you're, yeah. like, the kind of person who just, like, wants to take care of everybody and not want to put anybody out. And yeah. that was very much how she was feeling. So, uh... We were just like, no, 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 this makes sense. We're going to be fine. Don't stress about it. Mm-hmm. And it would have fucked her up forever. <laughs> forever, Roxy, if we got into a car accident and died. How funny. It is very similar to the like day away from retirement kind of thing where she's like, I just have to <laughs> yes. do this thing and make it right. I have to make it right. And then she doesn't get to make it right. <laughs> she's never going to. She, she had the uh, trigger word. Sp- trigger phrase. Speaking, speaking of somebody who's never going to be making it right. The demon bot has been bringing us down to this scary basement for years, and he's not ever gonna. He's <laughs> do, never gonna do stop. right by us. He's not he's gonna. Never do, gonna he's stop. never gonna do right by us. We're never gonna get compensated for our time. Down here. Yeah, like should actually should we be trying to negotiate a rate, Mikey, for our time, a freelance rate? We're technically yeah, we, doing freelance work for him. You know? We're ten ninety nines. Yeah, we're promoting the scary basement every week. You know, there's people clamoring to get down here to do our jobs, and they wouldn't be doing that if we weren't giving all this free advertising, which we should be paying, getting paid for by DemonBot. Mikey and Roxy, I am serious about maintaining our working relationship and shall take your rate request under advisement. In the meantime, you were assigned the 1981 film The Evil Dead. Did you watch the film or your soul's forfeit? Yes, I watched the movie. I, I also watched it. (laughs) <laughs> Good. We both watched it. Covered. Bam. Then you may keep your souls, and the greatest nightmare of all freelancers, continuing to work for exposure, for now. Hey! <laughs> I guess he said for now. I was gonna say, I thought he said we were yeah. gonna talk about it. How dare he, right. but he added yeah, that gonna, for now. Okay. Roxy, the Evil Dead, what do we think? What do you, what, what do you say we uh, recap it before we get too deep into our opinions about it? it sounds good. It sounds like the thing to do. Mm-hmm. The Evil Dead. We open on a point of view shot of what will turn out to be trees, an evil spirit, a monster driving a tractor. Uh, (laughs) Unclear. As it careens through the woods, we then meet five college students. Ash, his girlfriend Linda, his sister Cheryl, and their pals Scotty and Shelly as they drive up a mountainous road, cross a dilapidated bridge, and reach a cabin where they plan to spend the weekend. The gang unloads all their stuff, and Cheryl goes to decompress by drawing a clock in another room, because why not? It's then that she is possessed by something and forced to draw in a book, some sort of automatic writing situation. Or wait, is it a face? Or a face on a book? Ash also gives Linda a magnifying glass necklace. What is she, a detective? Then at dinner, the cellar door to the basement flies open. And Ash and Scotty descend into the darkness. There, they find a shotgun and shells along with a tape recorder and a book bound in flesh. A true Christmas morning bounty, when I think about it. When the gang listens to the tape recorder upstairs, they hear a man's voice talk about coming to this remote cabin to study the book called the Necronomicon, or the Book of the Dead. Even though Cheryl's creeped out, Scotty insists they all listen to the whole tape including an ominous run of spoken Latin. That night, Cheryl hears a moan of join us from outside, and she decides it's a great idea to go investigate. And when she does, (laughs) she's grabbed by living tree vines that hold her down and cut her all up. 
She escapes, runs back to the cabin, and demands Ash take her home. When Ash acquiesces, the two siblings drive away, only to find out that the bridge is down, and they're all trapped here. Back at the cabin, Cheryl soon turns into a deadite, a dead-eyed, scabby, demon sort of deal that taunts its victims. The gang fights her off, but not before Cheryl stabs Linda in the foot with a pencil. Eventually, Scotty punts Cheryl into the cellar and locks her down there. Cheryl will spend almost the rest of the movie down in the basement, peeking up and telling the crew that they're going to die. Then the evil dead gets Shelly. It just breaks the window and possesses her. Scotty throws his girlfriend into the fire before stabbing her with an intricate knife and chopping her to pieces with an axe. He and Ash then go bury Shelly's pieces in the yard. Respectful. This is when Scotty decides to take his leave. Ash wants to stay, what with Linda unable to walk from her pencil wound. But Scotty is having none of it. He doesn't give a shit what happens to Linda. She's Ash's girlfriend, not his. So Scotty bounces but then like two seconds later, he comes back and he's all screwed up in the face, sliced up. He says the trees won't let us leave. Scotty soon succumbs to his wounds and dies right there on the couch. Now it's time for Ash to check on Linda. And wouldn't you know it, her pencil wound radiates with poison and she turns into a deadite too. Now Ash has to fight off his former girlfriend. And after getting in a good stabbing, he takes her out to the woodshed and plans to chainsaw her to pieces. But damn, the poor guy sees the magnifying glass necklace he gave her, and he can't do it. Ash then drags Linda's body outside to bury it instead. But Linda comes back. She claws at Ash. Eventually, he has to decapitate her and finally put her in the ground. Then our guy heads back into the cabin, only to find the cellar door busted open. Cheryl is on the prowl. And then she attacks. It's really, it's no mystery. It's like, yeah. is Cheryl loose? And there she is. She's loose. She's loose. While Ash fights off his one-time sister, Scotty turns into a dead-eyed himself. While he fights a war on two fronts, Ash bumps the Necronomicon into the fire. And once you know it, that makes the dead start smoking. He has to destroy the book. Scotty grabs Ash's ankles and holds him down while Cheryl beats him with a fire poker. As he scratches and claws for the book, Ash sees the magnifying glass necklace he once gave to Linda. He uses its long change to pull the Necronomicon towards him and tosses that bad boy straight into the fire. Cheryl and Scotty then instantly decay, fall apart, turn to oatmeal, and have their bodies ravaged by demon hands. But Ash has done it. He's won. The poor fellow stumbles outside as the sun is rising, ready for a new day. And then the evil dead tractor monster gets him. The end. The end. Roxy, I had seen this movie as a child a number of times, and I always remember thinking that the evil dead was like a monster riding a tractor. <laughs> just slowly like, <laughs> like, like swooping up over tree limbs, but just like that's that tractor like <laughs> pushing its way up and over. That's so funny. funny, especially because I, I don't know, th this is a very homemade feel kind of movie to it like they did it on a very small budget it's like a bunch of friends just doing their best with what they got mm. and yeah i mean like for all we know they could have just mounted it on a tractor and ran through the woods like that. <laughs> have to imagine that's what happened <laughs> so roxy we've got the evil dead which is this bizarre little movie uh i love it a lot i have loved it since i was a teenager i guess but it's like you said basically a handmade movie <laughs> by a bunch of teens that ended up spawning, like, a franchise? Like, I, I feel like even in the recap, we were calling these monsters deadites. But that term, like, didn't come until much, much later. Like, Evil Dead 2, 3, uh, they did a TV series. There have been multiple video games. It kind of, it's like, 
maybe the most successful student film ever made. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, like, they were students or, like, in their early 20s, um, but I don't think they were doing it for school or anything. It's pretty crazy. Like, it launched Sam Raimi's career. It launched uh, Bruce Campbell's career. Apparently, uh, Stephen King saw this and talked it up to, like, give it some more traction Mm. to, like, kind of boost it. It launched the careers of Scary Basements. It it did. It launched our Scary Basement career, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It is the progenitor of all scary basements, I'd say. And I don't know if this is true, but it does feel like the scary basement we're in right now is the same basement from the Evil Dead. Is that fair to say? It's either the same one or it's just that basement is also in this basement. It's made (laughs) up of multiple scary basements and non-Euclidean spaces and, you know, Loch Ness Monster locks, underground lakes and such. We got a stink pit over there. That's, you know... Growing up, my parents bought a new house and in like a neighborhood, like they built a new house. Mm -hmm. And then if you made friends with any kids in the neighborhood and went into their house, their houses were all like designed exactly the same. So you're just like walking into your house again. And that does feel like what the scary basement and the evil dead basement are doing. They're, They're in the same new development complex. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and I'm sure there's deadites kicking around down here somewhere. There's gotta be a Necronomicon or multiple Necronomicons. Oh, uh, in the cursed library. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got these kids, and they're going up to a cabin to spend the weekend together. They're friends. Are you buying their friendship? Are you buying this camaraderie between them? It. They have such a weird vibe in that car where it feels so stilted and like mm-hmm. they are reading from a script, but also dreamlike and like it's unnatural feeling on purpose Yeah, in a way. I know so what you it, mean. It feels very ominous the way that they're like, they're singing a song together. Yeah. And they keep intercutting it with the car that's going to try and run them off the road. And like the viewpoint of the, the evil <laughs> that is like <laughs> tracking them, which is just like the camera kind of viewing them in a voyeuristic way. And like, I didn't know that uh, Cheryl is it right? Who is Ash's sister. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know. They were related in that way until, like, someone actually said it more than halfway into the movie or something. Right. Or, like, where he was like, I'm not going to kill my sister. Or there there was some line like that. Because I just assumed she was another friend randomly because they didn't feel like siblings. Um, yeah. And, like, when she is, like, yelling at him to take her home, I was like, okay, yeah, it's because Ash seems more sympathetic than Scotty and it was his car. So, like, her asking him that didn't <laughs> feel like oh, it's my brother who will help me. It's just like, yeah, this is my friend who will help me. So they didn't even get give off vibes at all in that way. Yeah, there's no specific, like, relationship between them. But, like, I did really... And she's also I, just a fifth wheel. So I was just like, yeah, she's just her friend who's there. Like, if you were the sister, would you really go to be the fifth wheel with your boyfriend and his girlfriend and his friend and his girlfriend? She, I would argue she is the perfect character to be the first deadite, right? Like... Mm-hmm. The the first Titan is Scotty fighting his girlfriend. That's like a a big emotional lift for him. And then it's very funny to me when Scotty is just like, I'm going to leave. I don't care what happens to your girlfriend. Uh, Goodbye. Yeah. And also, like, (laughs) I I don't care enough about you to also just stick around, even if it's like, I don't care about her, but I care about you, my friend. So I will stick Uh it out to help you then. Like, he just doesn't care. Not having it at all. Very funny. But, like, 
And Ash is like also kind of doesn't really say much about it. He's understanding in a way. He's just like, I get mm-hmm. it, I guess, sure. But then when Scotty comes back, he like immediately takes him back also to just be like, right. oh no. I think that would be my reaction. If I was in yeah. an Evil Dead situation and somebody was like, hey, this is too much for me. I'd be like, hey, fair enough, man. You got to yeah. take care of yourself. Self-care is important. <laughs> in this case, yeah. more so than normal. <laughs> it's a very mature way to handle it, I guess. <laughs> Roxy, the jump scares in this movie are brutal. Are they? Okay. Which one specifically? I feel like this movie was big on just like everybody's hanging out and then they just smash cut very fast to the most horrible face you've ever seen. Okay. I think about the first time Cheryl turns into a, uh, an evil dead where she's like, she's got her, she it's, it's ominous for sure. She's like guessing they're playing cards. They're playing some sort of silly card game. This was actually yeah. the moment that sold me on their friendship. When um, Shelly and Linda are playing cards and she's like, uh, Linda's like trying to prove that she has ESP and Shelly's like looking, holding a card, like, tell me what card it is without seeing it. And Mm -hmm. Linda guesses completely wrong. And Shelly's just like, yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. Just the funniest like way to like fuck with somebody. It's. It was very I, I couldn't tell, like, if she was fucking with her or if she was, like, trying to be nice. Like, their vibe was so much, like, it didn't really feel like she was being mean, I guess, even if she was doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of couldn't tell, but it was cute overall. So, like, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> but then when Cheryl turns around and she has a monster face for the first time, it it's like the camera is, like, slowly pushing in. And she says, like, Queen of Hearts, Jack of Diamonds. And then it's just like she stops and she turns around and she just has the scariest face anyone ever had. It's a scary face. Yeah. So, Mikey, did you initially watch? You said you initially watched this as a kid. Was it like on a VHS tape on a CRT TV? No, it was a DVD. Really? One of those okay. DVDs I had. Because I feel like seeing it now with like modern technology, because um, I didn't watch it as a kid. So I think when you're a kid, too, you're probably not thinking about these things as closely. But like. The the makeup and, like, style that they did the face, like, the lighting is so bright in that scene that I felt <laughs> like I could see it too well to, like, mm. see that it's, like, this is makeup on a person being a monster instead of being, like, caught in the moment of, this is a monster, scary. Right. So I think if they had just dimmed the lights a little bit, I wouldn't have noticed it enough to think about it and could have been more mm-hmm. entrapped by the scene, but... Again, like, I appreciate that they were doing what they could with what they have. And seeing it, like, as just a design, the way that they did it, they are very scary. Like, the way they have weird bug-out eyes and, like, kind of decaying mm-hmm. skin. Like, none of the Deadites are consistently looking a the same way. They're all, like, kind of their each unique form of creep, creepy, gross-out, or just spooky vibe. Well, to go even further to that, this is something I, I learned poking around the internet. Oh. Um, Sam Raimi coined the term dead shemps for this movie. Dead shemps? Uh, what does that Shemp mean? was one of the original three stooges. It was Mo, Larry, and Shemp. What? And then, yeah, Shemp okay. passed away before they finished shooting one of the three stooges shorts. So they would just put people, like other people, in a wig and shoot them from behind. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's like you could kind of get away with... Not having the guy there, but... Yeah, he, some of these masks Sam look Rainey, like full face masks or, like, makeup drawn on an actor. So, yes. Yeah. Some of these deadites, specifically, are not our actors. <laughs> because these people bailed on this shoot when they ran out of money. So, all of the deadites, especially as the movie progresses, 
they never look the same even themselves. Like, kind of even between shots. They'll do, like, uh, Cheryl will be in her makeup in the basement, and then they'll cut to a a low shot in the basement where she, like, just the light is peering on her. Mm -hmm. And it's clearly a different person, but it's almost, like, I bought it, and it was, like, unsettling to see that these creatures are changing in such a way that we can't even get a handle on them. It's not like our person is decaying. It's like they're becoming something else entirely moment to moment. We're almost losing our sanity as we continue to look at these people. Yeah, and I think it also shows them getting more corrupted. Like, I think Linda was the one that put me off the most because she just looks kind of like a weird doll clown kind of thing with the way the makeup is accentuated around her mouth. And she's also not trying to actively kill ash for a really long time she's just sitting there and giggling yeah like why is she doing this so it's like both goofy and funny but then also unsettling because it's like yeah why is she doing that what Mm -hmm. like what what's the point is she gonna use it to like fuck with him more and then get him to like draw out his suffering or like does she have some other plan or do they just have no plan and they just do whatever weird thing they want to do like it's so unpredictable This movie feels like it has no plan. It feels like the way that you are possessed and become part of the Evil Dead doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. Because Linda gets stabbed with a pencil. Also, she's just stabbed with a pencil by a deadite, but it's not like she, I don't know, like, you know, a a zombie biting or like a vampire injecting their blood in you or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And why doesn't Ash? Ash gets sliced up pretty good by linda eventually Uh and he never changes so you're you're right it's very unclear it's unclear the rules of the evil dead and for whatever reason it could be because i went into this movie already loving it i was totally fine with it yeah i mean like i have a great affection for just sam raimi's films and like you know bruce campbell as well as ash like as an iconic character now at this point so it's kind of like i forgive a lot of this stuff too and i also know like it was made in 81 And I know Mm. the background with, like, they were on a very tight budget, and it's, like, a bunch of friends just trying to make a thing. And also how this is, like, an iteration, because Evil Dead 2 is kind of, like, trying to, not exactly retcon, but kind of trying to be the new starting point for Evil Dead, in a way. Mm. Uh, Where they had more of a budget, and they could do more things that they wanted to do with it. And, like, even before this, they did an even shorter half hour to an hour, I think even lower budget film that was like an iteration on this as well so you can very much see like the artistic progression of kind of like trying to iterate and refine an idea like Mm -hmm. through these different projects until it eventually becomes like the crazy claymation time traveling supernatural (laughs) spectacular like undead army that uh like the final movie is about um Mm -hmm. and then the tv show even more so with a bigger budget uh oh what a fun franchise. Yeah, and I'll tell, it, always, I'll tell you. it also seems like they're having fun with it, even though, like, apparently shooting this first movie, it was super cold and uncomfortable, and they're all, like, dead, or not dead, sorry, they're bruised up, like, uh-huh. um, and just uh, trying to work with what they got, so, I, I don't know, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot to consider with this movie, I guess, that can make yeah, you it, it, like it more uh, or less. I- I'll tell you, my very first encounter with Evil Dead is I had a friend growing up, you know, in fourth or fifth grade, and his dad liked horror movies. And he would, like, let us watch ones that we were probably too young for. Mm -hmm. And Evil Dead was the one he was like, have you guys seen the Evil Dead? That's the one that'll prove that you're real men. So Mm -hmm. I, like, was going into it 
terrified. <laughs> wow, and okay. I, and I do think that played a part as to why I loved it so much, but also I'm so scared of it. Because again, I, I like I even took this note here. A lot of these jump scares are I would argue the good kind of jump scares, but they are very scary. They're straight mm. up monster faces, but they're always well, like especially when you're they're like foreshadowed. Too. Yeah. And it's it's so fun and it's so silly and I, I almost wonder how much of it is like retconning it because this movie does not have we know Ash will go on to become almost this like Elvis impersonator Lothario kind of character, <laughs> this like lounge kinda, lizard yeah. sort of dude. Uh which is very fun, but he has nothing of it. He's like kind of not a character in this movie. It, to the point he's where more of like I a remember being person. shocked. Yeah, he's more of a regular person in this one. Yeah. I was shocked he was the main character, that he was the titular final girl. It's not titular. This movie's not called yeah, the final girl. Yeah, it seems more like they're setting up Scotty to be that. Yeah, guess, Scotty seems like the main character. he's more proactive and a little bit more... I guess, proactive and aggressive, I guess, in a mm-hmm. way that you would expect, like, a 1980s horror movie to make him the main character, yeah. you know? He's got a point of view. He's got, like, something going on. And everybody else is kind of just hanging out <laughs> and yeah. all around. Like, you don't get more development with Ash until you get that very awkward scene of him and his girlfriend, like, sitting on the couch, and then he gives her the necklace. And it's this really mm-hmm. weird thing where, like, she goes away and comes back, and he's, like, takes the box out of his pocket Sets it down mm-hmm. and then pretends to be asleep. And then they're looking at each other. Like, she looks at him, then looks away. Because she's like, what's that box? And then he looks at her to see, like, oh, is she looking at me? And when she goes to look at him, he, like, pretends to be asleep again. And that mm-hmm. goes on. It felt like ten minutes. But it's maybe, like, four back and forths of it, which is also too much. Roxy, I'll tell you, that was my favorite part of the movie. Rewatching it this time. I love that <laughs> it, it was? Okay. Yeah. I thought it was very sweet. I thought it was like I couldn't a very tell what was fun, happening. Like, he wants her to take it from him while he's asleep. Is that what he wants? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's kind of like it's kind of like playful. Like I love the way that. So first of all, I would say that like what it did for me this time was they do tight close-ups of these people's eyes. Yes. And thinking about how when they become the Evil Dead, how the eyes are changed so much i was like oh Mm. that's like a really smart way to like highlight you know what people's eyes look like but i don't know i think they do this really fun like playful visual storytelling of her like looking away and then him opening his eyes and then her looking back at him and him closing and her like staying on it and the music kind of builds along with it it's just like very i don't know silent it almost feels like a silent movie like it's got a score to it that's telling us what the action is. I just I just was very endeared by well, it. Well, they do the same scene later, but twisted when he's going to bury her and she's not dead as a deadite, but he thinks she's dead. And so they're exchanging the looks. But right. just like when they're doing it in the romantic sense, like it, it's it was simultaneously cute and I can appreciate their relationship to each other in that way. And it sets it up way more than any other scene had. So you kind of get mm-hmm. the vibe of where they're at and then also it establishes the necklace, which is a whole thing. But it just also it's felt like so. To-do. Yeah, it's a whole big to do. It just also felt so aw- awkward. Like <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the first time I watched it, I can't even remember that scene. And then when I watched it this time, I was like, "What the fuck is happening? Why is it going on <laughs> for so long? This is so weird." Yeah, yeah, it was my favorite part. Roxy, let me ask you this: What would you what? say is the big idea of this movie? Because I think we're getting close to what I think it was. Um, but you go ahead and let me know what you think. Okay, um, 
I mean, it's it was hard for me to choose, and I'm still not sure if I'm 100% on it. But I think since Ash is our main character, and it's supposed to be about his journey, kind of like, he is not willing to give up on any of their friends mm-hmm. um, or loved ones until, like, the absolute last minute. Like, even at mm-hmm. hit the expense to himself getting beat up or, you know, trying to do something different to figure it out or waiting to see, I don't know. And then you contrast that with uh, Scott, who uh, doesn't take too much convincing to chop up his girlfriend <laughs> and then run yeah. away, which in a way does extend their life and uh, the life of Ash and figuring out how the Deadites work because he dismembers his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> But also them just finding the tape and listening to it in the first place, even though they are warned that they shouldn't listen to it and that it's bad news, they still decide to do it anyway. So maybe they're Mm -hmm. trying to say something about human curiosity in that way and how we are our own Mm -hmm. worst enemy. And then when we get transformed into the deadites, that also translates to make us our own worst enemy Mm. and make problems for other people too, especially because the way that folks transform, like we talked about here, it doesn't make as much like logical sense. So thinking about it more as like a metaphorical sort of thing Mm -hmm. is maybe like an angle you can take. Uh, And then in that way with Ash, like persisting past that to just be like, well, I'm going to try and figure it out. I don't know. Could be something there. I don't know. What do you think, Mikey? The thing I, I, you're, you're very similar to how I was thinking about it. I do think, the, the the thing this made me think of, I have no idea if this was Sam Raimi's intention. I would go as far to say it definitely was not. But the thing it made me think of is the first time that you spend the weekend with your friends or with this new group of people when you find out who they really are. Okay. Um, I've, I went camping not too long ago with a group of friends and it was just like you spend a day and a half, two days together with people who you maybe only hung out with for three or four hours at a time before. Mm -hmm. And it does kind of uh, put the coal under pressure and you either get a diamond or a bunch of shitty coal. You kind of find Mm. out who these people are. And the way I was kind of reading this was Scotty is a dick, right? Mm -hmm. The, the, The monster is ostensibly called, even though I would argue that the listening to the tape recorder scene and the, uh, Cheryl getting possessed while she's drawing and drawing a picture of the Necronomicon scene. If those were flipped, this movie sits so much better with me. Yes, I agree 100% as well. Uh, but the the initial playing of the tape is Scotty being a dick to his friend. She's saying like, hey, I don't like this. I wish we were not listening to this. He's like, well, we gotta listen to the end. Like, he's just kind of a prick. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it almost makes me feel like if you're Ash and you are projecting yourself into this main character... It kind of feels like you're realizing like, oh, is my friend a dick? Mm. And is my sister initially ready to go, but then almost to survive and to adapt, she starts acting like a dick too? And like, uh, that is kind of this, um, it's not so much peer pressure, but is kind of this like uh, social climate that, again, I have observed before where you're Mm -hmm. with a group of friends and somebody, one person's worst tendencies tend to rub off on the entire group. My my group of friends that did this, it was a lot of, like, gossip and, and backstabbing. Like, whoever wasn't in the room, they would talk about a lot. And it wasn't until we went camping together that I was like, oh, you do this to everybody almost all the time. You guys are kind of dicks. <laughs> and okay. then slowly you realize, like, and that's why, like, the progression made so much sense to me that it would be, like, 
Cheryl would be heartbreaking because it would be like your sister, but she's also got the least status in the group. So she's the one who's most trying to fit in, who's trying to to get there. And then Shelly, who Ash knows the least, Scotty like kind of has his redeeming moment, but he ultimately ends up turning back into a dick anyway. And the one that breaks his heart the most, the one that he's least able to like let go of, to sever ties from and to sever her limbs from is his girlfriend who he knows the best. And, Mm -hmm. but like, even that like heartbreaking realization, like I, I think this movie, if this were, if I were rewriting it, the first scene would be not them in the car, but them packing up and Ash meeting Scotty and Shelly. Because they're Linda's friends. And probably Are they? Cheryl, okay. too. So I, I kind of don't even know the friend status within the group. So can you give me the exactly. breakdown of like who is connected to who or just your best guess, I guess, in that way? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't think this movie tells us. Okay. Okay. But, I just want to make sure I didn't miss that because it was like, okay, now I know I I know who's dating who. And I got mm-hmm. the sense that Scotty and Ash are the ones who are friends, but maybe it's not. Are their girlfriends the ones who are friends? or? Yeah. But, and then, yeah, eventually you find out uh, Cheryl is his sister, Ash's sister. But, like, yeah, other than that, you didn't know that for a while, which I don't right. think was intentional. <laughs> it's not like they were trying to keep that knowledge from us. It just seems like they didn't know where to put that knowledge, maybe. Exactly. And and it, I don't think, was that important to them. Yeah, yeah. They weren't. They, they, they were like, we're, this is not about, about it. <laughs> developing relationships between these characters. This is about taking a group of people and putting them in a scary, evil dead world. Uh, but yeah, like I said, if it were me making this movie, it would be Ash meeting all of these people except for Linda for the first time. He's meeting, like Cheryl would be Linda's sister and it was like him meeting his girlfriend's friends. Mm, Yeah. And then that is a very real thing. What movie did I just see? We watched a movie that did that where they were doing drugs in the The desert. The invitation. Yes. Yeah. And the one from a couple of years ago, not the vampire romance one that happened this year in 2022. Right. Uh, yeah, where you go and you meet this group of people and you're kind of an outsider and you're slowly realizing these people are all douchebags. And then even your girlfriend is a douchebag. That sucks. And that's hard. And that's why this necklace, I think the my new favorite moment of this movie, besides the little eye catching scene, mm-hmm. is how he ends up defeating the ne- Necronomicon is using... The necklace he gave her. Yeah, because he kept it, like, out of sentimentality and care. Right. Um, There's something really sweet to me about, like, yes, this relationship with this girlfriend isn't going to work. (laughs) This is, we are ultimately at different points in our lives, one of us a monster, one of us not. But this idea that, like, I don't know, he's, like, holding on to the sweet memories of it, that, like, even though that's over, he's still able to defeat this horrible curse by, like, remembering the nice moments he had with her. Like, that part was... Very moving to me. And and I do like that idea that even though you can say that, like, you are not maybe meant to be uh, friends with certain people or be in each other's lives, that it doesn't negate the positive moments that you had with them. Like, I thought that was very sweet. Yeah. And I mean, it speaks to his character also that he would even mm-hmm. keep it that way. I would say I don't know how much the movie is trying to say that, but I like that you got that out of it because that feels yeah. far more co- cohesive than like what I was kind of getting out of it. But you were you were kind of saying that same thing, too. It's about, like... Yeah, it was, like, on that kind of track, I guess. Yeah, it, it, there's very clearly something going on here about, like, your friends are not who you thought they were. And that's the horror. That's what we're dealing with here. Yeah. It's the zombie fear, but, like, kind of more... I, I, I don't know, less, like, tangible, more, like, dreamlike. Yeah. <laughs> it's with, like, the dreamlike it, nature of evil. It's way more 
chaotic and yes, it does not have any specific way that it transferred. Like we, we don't, we don't even know like why Ash wasn't chosen. I guess, is it because he was able to hold on to his sanity better than the others or Mm -hmm. uh, he was just the last one for them to get and it was daylight. And then he just happened to by chance or luck uh, out survive everybody, I guess. We don't Well, And then it got him at the end anyway. So it's like, any, any, I don't know. It's kind of a bummer of an like ending. A it's a very Sam Raimi way, I guess, yeah. I guess if we judge this movie on its own without knowing anything about the sequels or the development of the character or series or franchise, whatever, then yeah, you just think that Ash is dead at the end then. And yeah, that's mm-hmm. just it for him. So yeah, yeah it's God bless him. very much that Stinger and ending. He already chopped up all of his evil dead friends. Yeah, it's very much that Stinger so ending. just him alone as a deadite <laughs> what does he wandering do? around these haunted halls. And I guess they got him in broad dead daylight also. So it's like, yeah, it can get you anywhere, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And then the bridge is out unless that was just an illusion or something. So he's just stuck in this little zone. Like, what's he going to do? <laughs> he's stuck in his little zone. Yeah. <laughs> Roxy, do you have a question for me? Yeah. So at the beginning of the movie, they talk about how they got this cabin for real cheap. So mm-hmm. it's going to be great. I'm sure it'll be great. They keep telling each other. And then when <laughs> they get there, it looks like the spookiest, scariest <laughs> place you don't want to spend your evening at. And they're just like, you know what? All these red flags. I don't care. We'll just stay here anyway. So, mm-hmm. Mikey, if you had a situation that you saw a giant big red flag, whether it was a staying the night situation like this or something else in your life that you decided you know what? I'll stay here. I'll do this thing, even though I'm seeing every red flag imaginable. Uh-huh. Well, for me, it was uh, it, not quite this Airbnb situation that Ash and the gang are in, but it was a living situation. Okay. I was moving into a new apartment, and when I, the day I was moving in, the girl I was living with was just like, oh, by the way, we've got a little bit of a bed bug problem right now. What? And I was like, uh, okay. I don't have, I need to live somewhere. So and she was, I guess. And we went in and we put oh my God. powder on our bed. <laughs> and, and she had, had to come. have been purposely like not telling you in advance uh-huh. to make sure you wouldn't peace out. So it's like very malicious on her side to have done this thing. Yeah. And she turned out to be one of the worst people I've ever met. That's tragic. I'm sorry. So <laughs> it was very clearly like, oh yeah, this, this was a clear red flag. That, like, mm-hmm. they are not going to be communicative or think about my feelings or experience living here at all. Uh, thumbs down. Thumbs down. Two two thumbs down. Don't don't approve. Don't like it. I'm sorry. <laughs> like you. The, other, the other thing that was going on was there was a, a second roommate. There were two girls I was living with. And one of them was horrible and cruel. And the other one had been turned into, like, a ghost girl. Like, oh. she just had, like, no personality. She just, like, stayed in her room and was quiet. And it's and it's like, oh, yeah, because she's living with his yeah, she doesn't greatest wanna, monster. Yeah, she doesn't want to deal with that other girl, which sucks yeah. because, like, maybe the two of you could have been friends or maybe rallied yeah. together to try and, like, not let this lady be a tyrant. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't work out that way. Uh, I lived there for, like, a month and a half before I was like, hey, I got to move out. And oh, then she well, tried to hey, steal my I security mean... deposit. <laughs> Wait, you bounced on the security deposit or did you get it back? No, I ended up getting it back. But oh, okay. they were like, well, you can't leave without giving us a bunch of your money. Oh, my God. No. Bad times. <laughs> uh, what was the biggest red flag you ignored? Uh, so similarly, it was a living situation, which I kind of had two back to back crappy mm. living situations, which I can't remember if I've talked about this before. 
But uh, the first time I moved to Portland, it was sight unseen. I just had to try and get a place. And so it was something that was close to one of the colleges. So there would be like affordable housing. So I was like renting a room in like a shared house situation. Mm-hmm. Talked to the landlady. She seemed okay. The way she described the place seemed like it would be nice. I got there. <laughs> there was no one to give me a key. So I almost had to like stay in a hotel room, even though I was paying rent on an apartment. When I finally got in there, I learned I was sharing this place, which was a stitched together house with no insulation during like a very cold month where it's very humid here because it rains a lot. So the Mm -hmm. cold just cuts through you. It sticks to you, which I was coming from Alaska where it's more of a dry cold. So even if it's colder, it's a lot easier to deal with than this. So I was like, great. I'm the coldest I've ever been in my life, even though I'm from like (laughs) a place very far Uh north. And all of my roommates are like, 11 college dudes and we have to share one <laughs> bathroom and there's no central heating I, I just have a small little heat dish so i'm just like <laughs> shivering and dreading having to try and take a shower in this place roxy you had 11 college roommates though how many game cubes did they have exactly zero what there, there was no shared common room space or anything either it was like two weird mm. stitched together houses so she could get as many rooms out of it to get as much money out of folks as she could so I got out of there after like about two, two, three months, maybe just because I was like, I can't handle dealing with this when I'm starting like a new internship in a new city with new people. Like I can't mm-hmm. do this immediately. I don't know how to make this happen. So eventually I found a new apartment with a lady who was renting out a single room, like in her apartment. So like that was a uh-huh. house I was renting a room out of. Now I'm renting a room in an apartment. And on the way to the lady driving me to her place, she's like, you don't have a drug problem, do you? (laughs) And I was like, what? No. Um, (laughs) I'm like the most vanilla ass looking, like scared, just out of college kid trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing, getting out of this one scary living situation or not scary, but Mm -hmm. this one very uncomfortable living situation. And I asked like, okay, like, no, I'm not. She's like, okay, good. Because the last guy who was in the room that you're taking over he died for five minutes and was clinically dead because he had a drug problem and they had to call the paramedics to revive him in that room. So somebody died and was revived in that room that I'm renting and we're on the way there. And I was like, great, cool. I can't wait to live here. Roxy, this is an interesting question. Would you Uh rather stay in a room where somebody died or in a room where somebody died and was revived? Like that almost feels like an anti-ghost room. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, because the spirit wouldn't be lingering. But it was more like, okay, so you let someone in here who had a drug problem that was bad enough that they died. So that says something Mm -hmm. about your judgment and, like, this place I'm going to be going to. And then she proceeded to be very strange, um, have a cat she didn't take care of that, like, pissed on my bed a couple of times. When I tried to use the bathroom to, like, paint my nails or something, she was, like, standing over me, which was really weird. (laughs) And being like, you can't use detergent that has any sort of... Because I was, like, using the bed sheets on the bed, so I was renting, like, a furnished room. I was taking Mm -hmm. care of the place. I was the only one using it, but she was like, you can't use detergent that has any sort of scents on it, because I don't like scents. Mm. so like and also telling me like i could use the kitchen and then taking that back when i tried to use it exactly one time to reheat a pizza i didn't even Mm -hmm. go into her space i just asked her to do it so i wouldn't invade her space so she was just like weird and micromanagey until the point where i had to like flee to like stay with one of the artists i was interning under 
to be like, can you please help me? <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, that was a very yeah. long story about a chaotic living situation and so many red flags that I was just like trying to hop to the next thing. So I kept ignoring oh. it. You kept ignoring it. You that's the thing. You when you're desperate, yeah. you ignore red flags like that. Exactly. And I'm desperate every second of every day. Roxy, <laughs> on a scale of one to nine, because the number ten does not exist in the scary basement, how likely do you think the events of the evil dead are to happen in real life? Um, I said a two out of nine. Oh, okay. I guess because <laughs> This kind of camping situation, everything like this, like we were talking about, you can have your catty jerk ass friends that won't be revealed until something makes it happen. But Mm -hmm. a supernatural thing coming in to be like, hey, you better check your friendships. (laughs) Here's some cosmic justice for that, I guess, question mark. That I don't believe that could happen. So two two out of nine. What about you, Mikey? I said a seven. Okay. Because of the standard, we don't understand how the world works. Okay. You know, de- demons can be real. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not going to say that I'm a. I'm neither Demon a scientist expert. nor a theologian. I have no idea <laughs> how it actually works. Gotcha. But I did have to give it a slight deduction because the possession of the hand drawing the book happens before the tape recorder scenes. If those flipped, yeah. nine out of nine. Nine yeah. out of nine. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I'll summon. I'll summon Enchanted Deadite. I feels do like- it. Do it right now, Reasonable. Mikey. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to. Okay, I, re- I really didn't want you to do it. I just got a, got kind of caught up I in wanting <laughs> to escalate the situation. <laughs> Roxy, last week we made a bet. Mm-hmm. How many sure people did. will turn into deadites? Yes. I said four. And I said five. The answer was four. All right, Mikey, you won. I won it. Cheryl, Scotty. Linda. Shelly and Linda. Yeah. We got four turns into Deadites. So that means our total bet score, Roxy with 29, Mikey with 24, Ty with two. Something will happen at 30. And we're getting close. I'm at 29. Yikes. Yikes, yikes, Mikey. Excited to find out what will happen at 30. (laughs) Join us. Did you hear that, Roxy? Join us. Is it saying join us? Is the evil dead here in the scary basement? Join us. Well, you know what, Roxy? I'm not going to let the evil dead just take my soul like it did to all those teens in the movie. Hey, evil dead, what's your offer? Join uh, Oh, my, my offer? Yeah, what's your offer? What's in it for me if I join you? Mikey, maybe don't offer up your soul to the evil dead. Well, Roxy, you saw the movie. If the evil dead wants my soul, it's going to take my soul. I might as well negotiate a little something-something out of it for myself. Tell you what, evil dead, you give me a good deal, and you can walk out of this basement right here today, soul in hand. Uh, okay, uh, oh boy, this first time for everything, I guess. No one's ever negotiated before. Well, um, I'll tell you what, how about this? We can give you the ability to fly. Uh, well, I, I mean, more like hover a little bit off the ground, really, I suppose. But but you can't die unless you get dismembered. Hmm. I'm listening. And, and, and when you become a deadite, your confidence goes through the roof. Like those teens up at the cabin, taunting and laughing at their enemies. 
Man, I never feel confident enough to taunt and laugh at my enemies. But before I sign on, what can you do to sweeten the deal? We also offer health insurance. Hey, that's a big deal. Mikey, do not sell your soul to the evil dead. Sell it to me. I've been after your soul for over a year now. I deserve it. Ooh, woof. Embarrassing opening salvo, pal. Yeah, my dude, that is a bad look. All right, you don't deserve anything. You can earn my soul, or you can take a walk. Well then, Mikey, why don't you ask the evil dead about the consequences of becoming a deadite? Evil dead? Anything to respond with? Okay, yes, uh... If you become a deadite, you will get scabs all over your face. Got it, got it. But I was going to lose my looks at some point anyway. The big thing is you would be evil. Yeah, but morality is relative. Evil dead, you've got yourself a deal. Mikey, stop. Look, at least see if you can get any money out of them first. Ooh, good call, Roxy. Evil dead, demon bot, either of you offering a signing bonus? I will give you $1,000 for your soul. Evil Dead, I bet you can beat that. Uh, oh, boy, uh, time, times are rough. Uh, no, no, I don't, uh, offer any money. None at all? Not one cent, I'm afraid. Then how do you pay for the health insurance? We don't have to pay for it. It's evil health insurance. When you think about it, isn't all health insurance evil health insurance? what a great joke listen i know i'd lose my sense of humor without a soul i do appreciate your interest in my soul here demon bot evil dead but i think i'm gonna hang on to this ephemeral little summation of my spiritual and emotional existence for a little while longer oh that is unfortunate evil dead would you like to grab a beer and talk shop you buy in yes I believe I can cover this one since I now have an extra thousand dollars. All right, Roxy, I made it through. Still got your soul intact. Maintain my soul. Oh, wait, uh, before he goes out, he's putting on his hat and coat, but the demon bot just turned back real quick to let us know one more thing. I'm going to head out now. Don't forget to turn out the lights when you're done with the review. For next week, you must watch the 2007 modern holiday classic Trick or Treat. Okay, Roxy, so we got trick-or-treat on the docket. (gasps) Mikey, you know what this means. What? October's here. That means Halloween's gonna be here soon. Ah! It's our first October movie! I'm so excited. One of the most Halloween-y movies I can think of that exists, trick-or-treat. Okay, great. I haven't seen it. Uh, It sounds like a true Halloween movie. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's definitely got Halloween vibes. Uh, So I'm excited to dig into it and start being excited about October. Yeah. Very exciting. Roxy, let's make a bet for next week. What do you say? All right, let's do it. So how about we guess the number of times we think the word trick is going to be said? Okay. I feel like whenever we get these kind of bets, uh, I always overshoot it. So okay. I'm going to say four. Four times they say the word trick. Okay. Um, I'm sure there'll be some scenes of groups of kids trick-or-treating that will say it. So I'm mm. going to say seven. Seven. All right. That's, That's locked in. All right. Roxy, let's wrap it up the way we always do. All right. What's making us happy? You know, we talked about a lot of scary things this week, including stabbing your girlfriend, (laughs) giving her a gift and not knowing if she'll like it, (laughs) and evil. (laughs) What's something that's making you happy this week? 
Uh, so the thing that's making me happy this week is actually something I've been doing for a couple of weeks at this point, which is treating myself to going to a movie theater to watch a movie by myself. So oh, yeah. I've seen a couple of movies just going out, bringing some snacks, kind of getting like primo seat because nobody else is going to see them at the times I'm going. Uh-huh. What time are you going? I mean, not even all that crazy. Yeah, like maybe sometime between 12 p.m. and like 3 p.m. And I do, I do think 12 p.m. is the craziest time to see a movie. I mean, this is like, <laughs> this is like it, it's like right in the middle of the day. So like your whole like work day is then like movie. Uh, I feel like most movies are at night. But if you're like really trying to get a matinee, you'll go to a I guess that's a I guess that's matinee time. Now that I'm talking. About yeah, it. it's cheaper know. tickets. And I do a lot of like packing up orders and like dropping them off at the post office. So that's like usually there. That is sometimes my morning on some days. So I'll just be like, mm-hmm. Okay, I could like dig into doing a bunch of freelance stuff right now, or I can go see a movie when it's not rush hour and I don't have to compete for seats or whatever, and then come back mm-hmm. and work the rest of the night uh, is what I've been doing a couple of these times. And also, I love it. the movie theater is right next to a really good bakery, so then I treat myself to some baked goods, and then I got like some delicious dinner and dessert stuff as well for Hell yeah. the day plan. That's it's really lovely. Awesome. What about you, Mikey? What's making you happy this week? Well, Roxy, I just discovered a video game. Oh, which one? We like to call uh, Batman Arkham City. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Here's the thing about Batman. He's very cool. He's just a cool guy <laughs> who doesn't let anybody get in his way, and he's got a lot of gadgets. He and does. it lets you play as Batman, so you're, like, soaring all around the city. And One of see- the muscliest Batman I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I just found a skin to make my Batman look like not a muscle sack, but look oh, really? like the Batman from the animated series. Oh my god, that's the best Batman in my opinion anyway. That's my favorite Batman. And he yeah. is the only one who looks like he's from the animated series. Oh my <laughs> god. very funny. So he's interacting with like realistic, grim, bloody, and burned Two-Face, and he's just got like triangles for eyes. Holy shit, I need to see this. Do you have a VOD cool. of it, Mikey? Yeah, yeah, watch. it's on my Twitch channel. It's all I, tw- I Twitch streamed it all last night. Hell uh, yeah. Yeah, th- there was that meme a couple years ago that is very lame. I think that all memes are lame, but especially this one where it was like, always be yourself, unless you can be Batman, then be Batman. And <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> but that meme was right. Like, it's very cool to be Batman. You can punch more criminals than I've ever punched in my entire life in just True. a few seconds. In it's slow-mo cool. even. So you look even mm-hmm. cooler as you do it. Yeah. Roxy, it's time now for Haunted Plugs. Where can people find you on the internet? So I'm on Twitter as Roxy Polk, and I'm also on Twitch as Roxy Polk. Mm-hmm. I, too, am on Twitter at Mikey McCaller. And you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Mikey McCaller. Also, make sure that you go to your iTunes or rating system of choice and give us five stars. Five scary stars. Or you can leave a review. We like that too. And don't forget to share. And scare. This podcast with your friends. Finally, as always, we must remind you, this is so important to keep in mind. Do not sign any contracts offered to you by demon robots. Just don't do it. Good night! To study the book called the Necron hmm? called the Necron hmm? called the Necronomicon
He uses its long chain to pull the nepper, nepper nom pop. 